Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I love him as Dembe, but I love him even more as Hisham because he is a, a brother that is vast in his talents, but also deep in his experiences. And I love him coming to talk with us today. Let me welcome him back to the show, Hisham Tafik. Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hey, uh, we were just about to talk about American Skin, uh, Nate Parker's new film. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, it's on my list, but uh, I haven't seen it yet. I feel like we live it every day. Um, the conversations that are had in this movie are conversations that we have every day on these airwaves. And, you know, the struggle that he went through making this film in terms of trying to frame the killing of a young black boy, of a, a young black boy by police, and then the premise is putting the police on trial. I'm not going to get into all of the details. It's something we suss out like, you know, this, this, this race thing is so much a part of every day. The things that we have to do differently as black people in this world, just to get through. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of trauma. And very few times do we get justice, you know, when things happen, we're still waiting for Breonna Taylor uh, to find justice. And, you know, uh, Amber Geiger who killed a man in his house, you know, might get a second chance at freedom, which is ridiculous. But you know, as as you sit here, a man that was a Marine for these United States of America, and we watched the insurrection of, of 2021. Tell me a little bit about the conversations had in your home. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, great question. But um, if you don't know, like I was, I was, I was, I had the privilege of, of being raised by a mother and a father in a community who was light years ahead, or not light years ahead, were just very well um, educated about what black folks were dealing with in the country. So my father was a follow-up Malcolm X. Um, he went to Egypt, studied, came back, formed the mosque, one of the oldest African-American mosques in the country, still exists now in Harlem. Um, so he was an imam. Um, he was part of the Black Panther movement. I mean, so he came from that. So. Soon as I, I, I came out the womb, I was um, taught about black history. I was taught about Islam. I was taught about Africa. I was given, I remember all of my comic books were of, of like all of these black civil rights leaders. So um, I had no choice, but I was well informed in the beginning about what I was dealing with. And I, I think he prepared me as much as he could. Um, I remember one of my first interactions even before the Marine Corps, he sent me to a all white Jewish Boy Scout camp because he wanted me to eat kosher food. And I can tell you, I learned a lot uh, at that camp for the next three years being the only black lifeguard and just the interactions with the Jewish community. And, and, so and wait, 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 pause for a second, because, you know, um, and I think this is so important that your dad, who was an imam, didn't just fill your head with black power, blackly, black, 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 everything's black. Wanted you to understand other cultures. Wanted you to, you know, you even joined the Marines, which to me seems almost, you know, uh, antithetical to your up. But finish and, telling the story about the Jewish uh, and, and, Boy Scout, because that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I say that the Boy Scouts, um, that kind of set me up. And that was my first experience being surrounded by all white people and really understanding 
get my foot in the water of, of understanding it. And then to go into the Marine Corps, he, he passed away in 88. And there was a period where I just lost my footing on what I was supposed to be doing. And I remember a friend approaching me to join the Marine Corps. And I had that same response. I was like, I ain't joining the man's army. Like, <laughs> go kick rocks with that. But then after a few years, I found myself lost. And I can't even tell you what, what pushed me in that direction. I woke up one morning, took the test, signed up, and I was gone. Um, but being in the Marine Corps also, which a lot of people don't know, uh, was the last branch of service to integrate. Um, so you don't find that many black folks in the Marine Corps either, and uh, especially Muslim <laughs> black folks in the Marine Corps with Muslim names. But so I was tortured in boot camp, and this was right before Desert Storm kicked off. So I remember being accused of what side I was on. Was I a Marine? Was I Muslim? I was threatened with with being put in jail. So I went through a lot, but I learned very early on um, that this is what it is. And I just kind of prepared myself that it was gonna be a lifelong fight. Some battles I was gonna win, um, some I was gonna lose early on in my young age. I thought I could win them all. <laughs> then as you get older, you realize you're gonna lose a lot of battles. And you have. I learned as I got older to pick and choose which ones I, I had to fight. But it was never a surprise that we would ever get to this point and, 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 and it won't get worse. I was just taught to be ready for this battle and, and given the tools to fight. Hmm. We're talking with uh, Hisham Tawfiq. Am I saying your name correctly? Hisham. Yes. Okay. And you can follow him at H-I-S-H-A-M-T-A-W-F-I-Q. When I see Dembe, you know, the very hmm. stoic, uh, you know, uh, st stoic, I won't even say uh, bodyguard because there's so much more to uh, Raymond Reddington on the blacklist. And, you know, Harry Lennox is a very dear friend and, and he introduced us. That's how you, you got here. Cause I was like, can we, can we get Dembe? I got on the show. Yeah. I, 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 and he's an, a complicated fellow as well. Very complicated man uh, in his own right for uh, on his way to the monastery, you know, like the, yeah. these paths to Damascus that, the, you know, these roads, these these roads that we take to get to where we are, you know, and I'm, I read somewhere that um, and it was probably on Wikipedia that you in your reading of Maya Angelou's I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings, which <laughs> led you into acting. Is that true? Yeah, I was in high school. I think part of it is I had a crush on my English teacher. <laughs> and she, you know, I think we all had to read a poem or perform in front of the class. And I, I picked out this poem. And I just remember standing in front of the classroom after I memorized this poem and delivering it. And I just felt so empowered, like not only um, telling this story, but telling it in my voice to the class and, and putting my emotions and my feelings on it and, and sharing it. And something in that moment just lit a fuse in me that I just, I wanted to tell stories for a living. Wow. I, I, I love that dude. And, but the, the path though, from wanting to act to being in the military to how do you, how do you get back to the acting from the life that, that lived life experience? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think, and, and you know, unfortunately, many of our people may understand this, but as much as my father and my mother and, and the community that he created gave me, uh, my mother mur was murdered um, when I was four. And then my father passed away when I was 17. Um, so there was a point where I had to do for self. And as much as I had dreams of, you know, 
first I wanted to be in the NFL when I was in high school. You know, I just wanted to make money and do these things. And then reality sets in and it's like, oh, okay, I can't go to college. I got to work. I had four younger brothers. Um, I was the oldest. I felt this responsibility, this weight. So it was, how do I provide for myself and for them, but at the same time, not let go of my dreams. And also at the same time, not disappoint my father and start living a life of crime, um, which I was surrounded by in the 70s and 80s in Harlem. So it was just, you know, my father always instilled in me that I could do anything I wanted to do. And I remember when I first started out, you know, after the Marine Corps, I was just a correction officer at Sing Sing. And then I left that and became a firefighter. Um, but even all through that, I joined a dance company when I, um, so in high school when my father passed away and I was playing football, it was either go to college or the dance company I had joined in my high school was going to Paris. And because my father passed away and I had messed up my senior year, they said I had to go to summer school. I was, and I think I could have went to Hampton. And I was like, I'm not going to summer school. So I left that summer, went to Paris and danced with a dance company. So then I started, you know, doing my artistic endeavors through dancing. But I remember I had a job at Athlete's Foot. I was doing work at Yankee Stadium, selling ice cream. I was doing all of these jobs just to get some money because I had no one giving me money. So I continued my artistic expression, whether it was through dance, which then transitioned to, to theater and then acting. I took night classes at night. I remember I broke up with one of my girlfriends because there's a woman by the name of Susan Batson, who's like a celebrity acting coach, a black woman. And she used to have these classes from six o'clock at night to about four or five in the morning. And if you speak to anybody who took her classes, they'll be like, yep, I was in that class. And I remember my girlfriend didn't understand why I was in this acting class all these hours and was I really at class? And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. So I just took classes at night. I took them every time I was off. I continued to dance. I continued to act while holding down, whether it was corrections, Marine Corps or fire department. And I just had a dream it was gonna win. And I remember there was a period everybody was like, well, if you're serious, you will go to LA. That's where all the big actors are. Why do you go to LA? Mm -hmm. And I was recently divorced. I had a son. I could not imagine leaving my son behind. I was like, that's not an option. That's not a choice. And I was like, I'm gonna make it here in New York. So I just put my head down and did the work and, and, it, and, it, and it worked out. So this season on the blacklist, um, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Uh, I, can't, I still can't stand Elizabeth. I just wanna just say that out loud. <laughs> <sighs> I, I'm, I don't root for her. I just want you to know. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> what are we seeing? Because we, you know, we got to see your character blossom and then, you know, COVID happened and then, you know, y'all did a cartoon version of one episode and then y'all came back and then you went on hiatus again and now you're back. Um, is there going to be more development of Dembe this season? Yeah, yes, yes. I think through all of those things that you just named, there are going to be a lot of blessings that come out of that. So, um, last year, um, well, I won't even say last year, throughout, because of the way my character was introduced, I was supposed to do one episode, I was a guest star, and I ended up just hanging around and getting fed episodes. There was no script for me. So a lot of that had to be discovered throughout the years. And throughout those years, um, I started having conversations with the creators about what this role would look like. Um, and I think um, because of those conversations, because of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, there were a lot of discussion on, on my part about Dembe being multidimensional. 
Um, and that's where you saw last year with the conversations with the imam. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of those, that, a lot of that happened because I was like, hey, look, like, we can't fall into these tropes and these stereotypes. Yes, he can be loyal, he can be trustworthy, but he is also a full human being and has another life. <laughs> you know, he, he has a family, he has a daughter or a loved one. Or, there has to be something else. And you have to show that so we don't fall into those deep waters that we know about. So um, I commend them on, on um, understanding that, realizing that and tackling that. And I'm excited about some of the things um, coming down the pipe that, that relate to that. I can't wait um, because, you know, I, I'm a huge Harry Lennox uh, stand, not a stand. I love, I love the man. I love him and all his complicity, uh, complex, com complexions uh, in, in his personality. And I, and I love your story and I love that you stood up for yourself because a lot of times we are silent because that check is good. You know, it's a mm -hmm. good check that Hollywood, that check is good. Uh, but what's the point? What does it profit you if you get that money and don't make a difference? So, I mean, and that's, that, don't ask for more money or more opportunity. Yeah, and that's why, that's why when I started this journey, I told my, and I have it written down in a book somewhere. I said, I have to do 20 years and get my pension because as good as that money is, I didn't want that money to dictate how I was going to make my moves. So the first two years of Blacklist, many people don't know, I still had my firefighter job. So I was doing Blacklist, <laughs> I was doing, blacklist during the week, and I was at the firehouse for almost 24 to 36 hours from Friday night until Monday morning. And I juggled that for two years just to make sure I could hit my 20-year mark, get my pension, and then take on this TV show. Oh, 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 oh man. All right. There's so much. All right, Hishon, Hishon, we, we got to keep having this conversation. When you come Absolutely. back, you got open seat here, brother. I love, love, love you. Uh, you, you can watch Thank him you, on Fridays, NBC, The Blacklist. He plays Dembe, but there's a lot to them still waters, and I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, sister. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.